welcome to 444's Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Smith, and apologies in advance for my scratchy voice. I don't know if it was the three extra weather-delayed hours I spent in the dried-out air of my flight back or the weekend camping trip I just returned from where it was dry, hot, and dusty, but the old vocal cords are having a rough time tonight. Anyway, uh, in case you missed it, we tackled the quarterback position across two different shows last week, and we're back to do the same this week with running backs. My guest today is Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. He'll jump in shortly to help me break down RBs. But first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by DraftKings. Now that fantasy football season is here, we have partnered up with DK to bring you any of our 4 for 4 memberships for free. All you have to do is go to 4for4.com slash DraftKings and follow the instructions. That's a really good deal, and you should check it out if you're a new user to DraftKings. This show is also brought to you by Draft. If you want to join the biggest season-long tournament ever, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on Draft. The grand prize is $1 million, and if you think you have what it takes to win, just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com to get started. Use our promo code 444, the number 4, F-O-R, then the number 4, when you make your first deposit. And you'll get free entry into the Best Ball Championship for a chance to win that $1 million jackpot. And with a fellow Bay Area guy on the show today, I decided to pull a local band called Hard Girls for the music in this episode. The track is called Camera, and you can hear it along with all my other episodes' music on the TMAP B-Sides playlist on Spotify, which is linked in the show notes. With all that housekeeping out of the way, please welcome in Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thanks for joining the show to dig into the running back position with me tonight. Dalton, how's it going? Going well, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really good to have you on. Um, we ended up in the same TGFBI fantasy baseball uh, division, and I, I love your draft strategy there, uh, I, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say about running backs, but tell me a little bit about um, your fantasy baseball year. How's that going so far? Um, some, it's hit and miss. Um, I would we went with a crazy strategy. I didn't take a starting pitcher in the first 15 rounds of many drafts, and you know, with the league on pace to hit 11 more, 1100 more homers than last season, you'd think that, oh, I, I must be doing well. But some leagues I am and some leagues like the one you mentioned, we're in together. I'm not doing well in it all. So that, it comes down to uh, like like always, you have to draft the right players. But uh, my strategy was extreme and um, I'm, 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 I might implement it again next year. I'm not sure. But uh, it was fun uh, either way. And I, I think my biggest problem was just not getting the right hitters because, frankly, I did hit on a lot of the uh, the middle round starting pitchers I was after. Yeah, and I was wondering, kind of, I, this is why I brought it up. I wanted to talk to you about this, but do you have any other, you know, more off the beaten path strategies you're looking to implement in football, or is it a different enough game to where you can't go quite that absurd with, uh, or lean too heavily in one direction? You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't go quite as crazy, but I actually did write a strategy column uh, earlier last week, and uh, they titled it Zero Wide Receiver. I'm sure that's not the first person to come up with that type of strategy, but. I am going to go really crazy heavy with running back. I've done it in the in the drafts of the Scott Fish Bowl. I used my first five rounds on running backs. I think I took seven of the first nine picks. Obviously, that is a little different format. But I think it's I'm, I'm saying you should fill up your, your flex with the running back and even then go ahead and take an upside guy on your bench, even if your wide receiver is not full. So I guess that probably is extreme. But, you know, I mean, certainly not saying go running back heavy. That's obviously not crazy. But. Um, I am going back old school, old school and uh, to the extreme this year. Well, then it sounds like you're the perfect person to talk running backs with. And I want to start by digging into some relatively recent news. Some of this stuff is older than others, but I feel like we need to talk about the biggest shifts that we've seen in running back value uh, over the offseason. And I want to start with the most recent news. That's Duke Johnson being traded to the Texans. 
Are you buying him in his new situation there in Houston? Yeah, I actually love this for a couple of reasons. It clears up Cleveland. We'll talk about soon, I'm sure. But I'm not a Lamar Miller guy. I'm probably among the lowest rankers uh, of him. It's just I just hate spending my draft capital on guys like this. We already know who they are. I mean, Lamar Miller ranked last last year in in running backs and yards per route run. And here's the key here. So over the last three years, he's produced just six top 10 fantasy weeks. I mean, that's over 44 games. So we've seen what he can do with the full workload. I, I want to see the unknown. A guy like Duke Johnson, I mean, he's 5'9", 210. He can, he can handle a load. Obviously, I'm not expecting that right away. But I immediately moved him above Lamar Miller in my rankings and, and didn't think twice about it. Well, yeah, and he's just a much better receiver. And anybody like that who can offer that dual threat capability has to be valued at least moderately Maybe not always more than the the lead back necessarily, but in this case, like you said, because we haven't seen so much or really anything from Lamar Miller when given a full workload, it seems like only a matter of time before Duke Johnson takes over there. Now, let's look at the other situation here that's changed, and that's Cleveland, like you mentioned. How are you updating your outlooks for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? All right, so I already had Nick Chubb number five overall on my board. And, uh, I mean, now they, they've traded away Duke Johnson opening up all these targets. You're going to have to talk me out of it here because I'm considering moving him to number one overall. Because, Ooh. honestly, I just think there there really are questions with everyone else. I mean, David Johnson has not been good in two years. And, and who knows if the air raid will even benefit him, even if it does well for everyone else. Saquon Barkley's, I mean, that supporting cast could be disastrous. I mean, Eli Manning's gotten something like 6.5 YPA over the last five seasons with a without Odell Beckham really could be a problem. I mean, Elliot obviously holding out Camara. I mean, they're just, they've simply stated the coaches after they are going to treat his workload like it was after, you know, the first month of last season. So I think those are all question marks, just least equal to Kareem Hunt returning in week nine, which is an eternity in NFL terms. Yeah. You look at their workout metrics, Chubbs off the charts, Hunt, very average uh, Hunt's coming from, I think Hunt is a good NFL player. Don't get me wrong, but he's also put up big numbers in the most conducive system to put up big numbers. Chubb just passed the eye test last year. I mean, he finished first in elusive rating, had the best yards per carry after contact ever since it's been recorded. I mean, he had the second most runs of 20 plus and, and 40 plus yards that Saquon Barkley didn't even see the field until late October. So I'm a fan of Mick Chubb if I hadn't made that clear. So I have to ask, if you are that high on him, are you still willing to maybe try to game your draft a little bit? Because he will slip in in the second round most of the time. In most of the drafts I'm doing, that's where he's going. Are you taking other players ahead of him, hoping that you can get him back uh, around the turn, maybe if you're at the end of the first round? Yeah, that's why you should all just play in an auction. And and that's also why I struggle with the ranking thing. Is it, but if I just, why I say the number one is just because if I'm being honest with myself, that's the guy I want the most. But you're right, it doesn't do me any good if I get the first pick and, and, I, and I take him there. So I, I'm just so worried that someone else likes him as much as me, and that has happened to me in an auction. So maybe I'm, I'm gun-shy there. I would just prefer a late first round pick and just grab him there and just secure him and and, and just make sure I get him. So I hear you though. It, it does not make any sense for me to get an early early first round pick this year if Chubb's my target. Uh, I mean, I'd love for him to come all the way back in round two, but there's no way I'm risking that. And I know that that's happened commonly in, in drafts, but I just am guessing that the closer we get to kickoff, his ADP is going to climb. Right. It comes back to picking the right players, like you said earlier. Now, let's move on to two of the running backs who are falling down ADP based upon news surrounding them, and that's Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon, our, our holdout situations here. What are you doing with those two guys? Man, I wish I had a good answer. I guess my simple one is I'm leaving Elliott alone right now, but that's not to say if, if push came to shove, I'd actually draft him with these first three, four picks. 
But I'm less worried about that, and I expect Jerry to pay up for him than I am Melvin Gordon's situation, you know, who's a pedestrian back anyway, and I just don't think the leverage is there. So I, I buried him down to like my RB23, which it looks like according to ADP, that means no, no chance I get him. So Elliot, I'm not quite as concerned about, although obviously <laughs> it's something to monitor, whereas Gordon, I'm, I'm definitely worried about. Now, Todd Gurley has fallen down draft boards too, not because he's holding up, but because of his arthritic knee. What are you doing with him? Like, what's your drafting approach to Todd Gurley? Yeah, so if Nick Chubb is my one strong stance, my my other it, it close second is, is Todd Gurley lower. I have him my running back twenty. He'll end up on none of my teams. I, I have Daryl Henderson on all of my teams. It's just an arthritic knee situation that I want no part of. I mean, he did not play in the most serious and the most important you know time last year. So I, I don't think that I think it clearly obviously was a health issue, and we it's such a good situation. Like I mean, C.J. Anderson was just the man replacing him, literally coming off the couch. I get it. But to me, Gurley's upside is not like I, I get why people say that, you know, if you hit in round two, I just don't think his upside is the same as last year. Even if that if the knee does not prevent him from playing, uh, the workload will at, at best be limited. Do you want to talk down anybody who might be worried about the preseason performance of Daryl Henderson recently? Oh, not at all. That was like six carries or something. That guy just literally set the record for yards per carry in college. And and the Rams run a ton of outside zone. That's really good. I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend I'm a big college guy. Not, not at all. But, um, man, they traded up for him. They spent draft capital. I really love his situation if and when Gurley goes down. Yeah, the, the point is don't overreact to one preseason game, right? Not at all. Correct. Yes. All right. Now, what's your outlook for Kerryon Johnson now that Theo Riddick is out of the picture in Detroit? I don't trust the, the situation there, but I actually do think they're dumb enough to run the ball no matter what. So I guess in a way, it's kind of good for fantasy value there, the coaching staff being barbaric. But love the player, Carryon Johnson. He just passed the eye test so extreme last year. He's my RB13 right now, and I'm more tempted to move him higher than I am lower. I love Riddick getting shipped out because, I mean, the targets just went way up, the target share. And, yeah, love the player. Yeah, the price is definitely going to go up now that Riddick is gone. And to me, Johnson feels like a potential, you know, arbitrage or like poor man's version of Dalvin Cook in that he's going to be on a similar run first team. It's it's an offense where the receivers are good enough to kind of keep deep defenses honest to some extent. And so I'm excited to see if Johnson can be like that that budget Dalvin Cook this season. I think it's possible. Yeah, I hope so. Man, I hope he stays healthy and gets given that chance. All right, now the last one I want to touch on here is Donta Foreman signing with the Colts. Does that affect your evaluations of Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines? First, I'll say I got my face for Foreman. He was the guy I'd been like targeting as a mid-round sleeper, mainly just because of my Lamar Miller shade that I said earlier. <laughs> um, not necessarily the player, but I mean, there was actually good reports that Foreman looked great a year removed from that Achilles injury. And the, if the problem really is, you know, classroom behavior, that certainly sounds correctable. So it's certainly something to pay attention to. But when it comes to Marlon Mack, my far bigger concern is Andrew Luck's health status because no running back was more game script dependent than Mac last year. So, you know, just pay attention to Luck's health the most. I think Mac is definitely the guy there, even with uh, the foreman signing, but certainly an interesting handcuff for sure. How far down are you bumping Andrew Luck because of these injury concerns? Just kind of the sidebar to the quarterback position real quick. Yeah, so I, I bumped him to ninth just because why? Why? I mean, he doesn't even have the rushing upside. Guys like Kyler Murray, and, and I'm a crazy man. I have Lamar Jackson in my top five. I just think the upside. He, he had the most fantasy points mm-hmm. per drop back last year, and he could improve as, as a passer, and I, Mark Andrews is going to go crazy. So I, I'm not messing I, with an injury situation and a quarterback with guys with, you know, have the upside with their legs. So I, I bumped Luck all the way down to ninth right, right now. Obviously, healthy Luck, great, nice top three option. 
Are there any other running backs that concern you for similar reasons where you're worried about the quarterback and the offense in general bringing the running back down? Um, I'd say maybe Josh Jacobs, that situation. I think that he's going to get a ton of volume. I mean, you saw what Gruden did. Uh, Cadillac Williams had, what, 300 touches and 14 games or something his rookie year. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't trust that situation in Oakland. So I guess, I guess that'd probably be, uh, be my, main, my, main, my main one there. Yeah, good deal. Now, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into some general draft strategy for the running back position. But first, I want to take a break for our sponsors. Fantasy football season is here, listeners, and we at 4 for 4 have partnered up with DraftKings to bring you any of our 4 for 4 memberships for free. All you have to do is go to 444.com slash DraftKings and follow the instructions on that page. That's right. You're going to get everything. Optimal lineups, custom waiver wire pickups, draft analyzer software, trade evaluator, and all the other great features of our memberships, all for 5 bucks over at DraftKings, which you can potentially you know, enter into their contest to win even more. It's, it's really simple. It's a great deal to get in on that 444 subscription. We're super excited to bring you this deal. And if you want access right away, go to 444.com slash DraftKings, follow the instructions, that's it. And if you're looking for other opportunities to score big in fantasy football, you got to check out the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever over at Draft. If you love fantasy football, and I know you do because you're here listening to this show, then you need to enter this $3.5 million best ball championship. That's right. It's $3.5 bucks, real money, simoleons, clams, whatever you want to call them. It's a big deal, freaking huge. And here's how their best ball works. It's season long, no management though. You just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, there are no trades. There are no waiver wire pickups. You don't have to set a lineup because you're automatically given the best lineup every week. No salary cap, you're drafting just like you would with your friends in a home league, and there's no better place to play these best balls than on draft, because you can draft anytime you want. Leagues are starting every couple minutes, you can join one right now. Just do a draft, and you could be a millionaire 16 weeks later. It sounds pretty easy, right? So uh, join me on draft today, download the app anytime, just search draft in the app or play store, join a game in minutes, or play right from your computer, go to draft.com to do that, whatever you want, whatever's easier for you. Right now, all new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when they make their first deposit. But you have to use our promo code 4 for 4 the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4. That's right, you can play in a real money game for free just by using our promo code 4 for 4 on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play for free with that promo code. The number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, 4 for 4. All right, Dalton, so which top 12 running back do you think is the most likely to bust? Because it really is about avoiding landmines in those early rounds, right? <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if this one is a hot take. It might be also. But um, I thought Le'Veon Bell ranked much lower than most boards. I think I'm 12th right now, so I'm not going to end up with him. Just sat out an entire year. He's played 16 games just once during his career, not since 2014. About to see a huge downgrade in offensive lines. I mean, I won't bore you with the metrics, but he just benefited from such a great one in Pittsburgh the last five years he played. And last year was not even close. Uh, he just seems very risky to me. He's just getting treated like an automatic RB1 on, you know, as the market's suggesting. And to me, um, I, listen, he's one of my favorite running backs ever to watch run. And uh, I think Sam Darnold could be a star, and I might look really bad here if that's the case. But Bell, for an injury-prone guy coming off an entire year off, and Adam Gase, talking about not trusting coaching situations, actually, that should have been another one I pointed to. He's finished last uh, in, in plays per game two of the last three years. Didn't even want to sign Bell in the first place, and a bit of a nut job. So, I don't know, Le'Veon Bell, that, that whole situation kind of scares me. Yeah, very similar situation for me where I just don't trust the team in the offense is Joe Mixon. And I like Joe Mixon, the player, but the yeah. argument against him is just that the Bengals project to be pretty bad, right? The over-under uh, win total for them is six regular season wins. 
And if A.J. Green is hurt, that could put more defenders in the box against Mixon. I mean, I guess the silver lining is that if they're playing from behind a lot, that maybe that bumps up Mixon's reception totals in PPR formats. But I still think Mixon is going to have less than ideal touchdown upside. And he's a guy I'm, I'm a little afraid of at his price. Like, I would rather have Chubb. I would rather have Dalvin Cook. Uh, and I mean, I, I get the appeal and I own him in a dynasty league. Like I said, I like mixing the player, but he's a guy I'm concerned about just given his price tag. Are you on the same boat or on the same page with Mixon? I totally agree. I mean, they even lost their left tackle first rounder already. Their offensive line was a problem. And yeah, I don't like the situation there. And yeah, maybe the coaching staff injects some life there. He, he impressed me, the, the player last year he was better on field by far last year than the year before, but I, I'm shying away from that situation. Totally agree with you. So. If you are aiming for a running back heavy start, which guys are you targeting between the, say, second and fourth rounds? Because the first round guys are pretty well established and those guys are pretty easy to sort through, you know, outside of the the Ezekiel Elliott holdout and whatnot. But in those, you know, second, third, fourth rounds, which guys are you looking at there? Because there are a lot of interesting options and each one of them comes with their own separate, you know, risk and reward profile. Yeah, I'll throw a couple guys that I just kind of jump out as far as I have ranked higher than most. So I end up on my teams here. It's Damian Williams. And man, I love the talk about the, the, the first quotes from, from Andy Reid, who, by the way, has given his RB1 the greater percentage of carries than any coach the last five years. But now the, the, the continued chatter after returning from the hamstring has me a little concerned. But Carlos Hyde, just you look across the board, the worst metrics, and he's arguably the best, the worst running back of football. He's my favorite. Uh, backup running back to have on my fantasy starter. So Damian Williams, I'm still in on. Love the situation in Kansas City. Uh, Aaron Jones, another risky guy there I, I end up with a lot. And Mark Ingram, I'm warming up to more and more. You know, usually it's a downgrade leading the Saints offense, but I like Baltimore's offensive line. And, you know, after Lamar Jackson took over at quarterback, the Ravens had the most rushing yards and yards per carry and Greg Roman has a history of writing his lead back. So I'm, I'm warming up to Mark Ingram, and I, I tend to have him higher than the rest of the room. Yeah, and those rushing quarterbacks tend to help out the running backs the way that they can freeze defenders, open up some extra lanes. I'm in on Ingram as well, and I liked, I like the Jones call. He's a, he was a stud prospect, really effective with his opportunities last season, and now he gets to play with a more engaged Aaron Rodgers. Like I think the sky's kind of the limit for him if he can hold down that you know lead back role in there and not, and not see too much work to Dexter and Jamal Williams. I, I think on Johnson has to be in the discussion here. Like you said, he's gonna run the ball like he's gonna get a lot of touches and that might just be good enough I think Josh Jacobs is interesting for the same reasons but as you touched on earlier you got to worry about that offense like we've had that you know argument where we say oh this guy can't fail because he's gonna get so many touches and then they turn out to be Leonard Fournette or something you know what I mean yeah totally why don't I touch one thing about Aaron Jones is you know people make fun of the best shape of the life uh, offseason stories all the time but it doesn't hurt that he got 5.3% body fat. Sometimes those things do translate into monster fantasy seasons. And if people are still worried about Jamal Williams' committee, it's interesting that he's such an afterthought in fantasy drafts. So I think Aaron Jones is going to catch the ball more. It's definitely going to be curious in the new situation with Aaron Rodgers and how the fact he's already butting heads with the coaching staff again. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm the sucker who once again will buy into Aaron Jones. Yeah, me too. And digging back in on the Baltimore situation, if they're going to be running that much, are there any other secondary tertiary guys in that running back core that you're interested in? Because I've been drafting Justice Hill a lot myself, probably too much. Uh, but I, I think that there's opportunity for more than one back to be useful there in fantasy, right? 
Yeah. Okay. Kenneth Dixon will probably be cut, but he's actually the interesting guy if you can get him for free because like his workout metrics and all that stuff is, he's an interesting player if you ever got given the opportunity, but Justice Hill is certainly rightfully so the more, the more, uh, he has a higher IDP for a reason. Yep. For sure. And Dixon is one of those guys who failed uh, a PED test. There's a pretty spotty history with guys coming back from those, but, um, yeah, yeah I, I think just That's in fair. general, That's yeah. a good point. And just in general, the fact that Hill is the guy they just drafted makes me a little more interested in him. Now, if your draft plays out in a way where you don't draft that many running backs or maybe any running backs early, who are your preferred targets in the middle and later rounds? It sounds like this isn't going to be your approach this season, but maybe pick out a few running backs from those deeper zones of the draft that you think could be values. Okay, so this actually still has been my approach because even if I come away with three, I'm still drafting Daryl Henderson in round six and every league in which he's still available sitting there for me. I'd love him as my whatever, first bench player, I don't care. Um, I already talked about the girly and why I like Henderson. Miles Sanders, I'm warming up more and more to. I get Jordan Howard's very, very good blocker. But man, if a back ever could emerge with the, it doesn't need to be a full workload there in that Eagle system, in that offensive line. And he just, by all reports, is just entire, entirely different athlete is Howard. Um, and then Rashad Penny, I, I get Chris Carson is just the guy that I'm fading. You know, the guy undrafted, came out of nowhere, punishing runner way up there in the yards per carry up of contact and broken tackles. But that's because he's not elusive and also it invites contact and he has the injury history. Give me Penny who looks in shape. I love the recent reports all hyping up Chris Carson. I love that. Give me Penny over Carson. Um, and Damian Harris, I'm really fading Sony Michelle's knee and the, the, the uh, Patriots running backs produce. So, so Damian Harris is, is my other favorite mid-round RB to target. Yep, all those guys are on my list here, and I want to throw in the San Francisco running backs that aren't Jarek McKinnon, uh, Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda. I think both those guys have potential to really deliver based upon where you have to draft them. Uh, another player I'm interested in in that range is Austin Eckler, just for all the reasons we laid out concerning Melvin Gordon earlier. If Gordon gets traded, if he you know continues his holdout, I think there's a good chance Eckler ends up being a you know a fringe RB one and definitely an RB two uh, in PPR formats. Um, do you like any of those guys? Uh, is there anybody else maybe a little bit deeper that stands out to you? I, I do like Eckler. He's he's a curious one because he really fell off. Like he looked like the clear guy who's going to be a monster once he took over last year, but his his just really fell off once he got that full workload. And I wonder, I don't know. It's probably going to be a committee with Jackson there, but Eckler's definitely the guy of those two. I would I would go after. Where where about do you have Eckler going right now? In what round do you think you should go? I have him at RB30 in half PPR. So like right around Kenyon Drake, Philip Lindsay, Tariq Cohen right now. I actually have him ahead of Cohen. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not going to end up with Cohen on any teams, it seems like. So that means you must not be super high on, on Gordon then. You are concerned, I would say. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I'm kind of out on Gordon as well. I, I think that Eckler is is definitely the better running back to target there. Because even if Gordon does come back, Eckler is still going to have some amount of value, I think. Yeah. Okay. And I'm also with you on Tevin Coleman, man. I mean, I wish I'd like to see Jarek McKinnon, what he could do a healthy version in that offense. What the, what Shanahan envisioned when he signed him to that big contract, but clearly that's not going to be the case. He might even open up season on puff. So yeah, give me the Tevin Coleman. Brita maybe the fastest back in the league, but he can't stay healthy. So Coleman, I've been bumped. He's a guy that just slowly just battle of attrition, just moving up my running back board all summer. Yeah. So I'm looking back to Eckler. I'm looking at a couple drafts that I'm in recently, uh, the four for four staff leagues. I took him in the sixth round of a half PPR draft and I took him in the sixth round of a PPR draft. So clearly I'm all in on Austin Eckler. I, th I think that's one that I should, I'm, I'm glad I brought it up because I, I didn't realize how aggressively I'd been drafting him. What about some of the other satellite backs for PPR? Like, are you looking at Chris Thompson at all? Or uh, we talked about Justice Hill already, but are there any other guys like that specifically for PPR that you like uh, in the later rounds? 
Yeah, I do like Chris Thompson. I'd love to see what he could remember how good he he was legitimately super valuable for a, a good eight week stretch a year and a half ago. But um uh he's an interesting one. Um obviously Hines in, in the Colts is the is kind of like a cheat code with that. But honestly, I try to avoid those backs, the satellite backs, the Tariq Cohen's that have zero upside if if things like if there were an injury happened before them, like that's they're already capped out in touches. So to be honest, those type of running backs are exactly the opposites I'm gonna have, especially with the strategy I'm taking. So does that mean that you might be more interested in a player like Jalen Samuels, who, if James Conner yeah. got hurt, could actually be the RB1 there in Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like Samuels quite a bit. I'd take him, you know, as a top 40 fantasy back I have him ranked right now easily. So, yes, exactly. He's the type of guy I'd be targeting. Targeting, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer him than, say, a, a Cohen, even though I have to. I actually have them ranked back-to-back. Everyone's going to have Cohen ahead of Samuels. But personally, I would take Samuels in a draft ahead of him. Yeah, good deal. Now, let's dig into some of these known running back committees. Is there one timeshare that you feel like you have more clarity on the general fantasy populace than you might expect? Like, which running back are you targeting to exploit that market inefficiency that you think you see? Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, if I'm cheating here, but I'm just going to go all in on this Damian Williams thing. And I'd say the community is overreacting and Carlos Hyde's really bad at football. And I know Damian Williams never had more than 50 carries in, in his career in a season. But he has very good athletes, and that's just the best system. And it doesn't require 280 carries. I mean, he's going to catch the ball quite a bit. So I think he's going to emerge as the clear RB1 in KC, even though I know that rookie looked mighty impressive the other night. But um, Damian Williams is is the guy that I, I'm going to say here. Yeah, I think the Philly situation is very similar in that Miles Sanders just represents such a huge upgrade over the other backs in that committee that yeah. even within some sort of timeshare, I, f- I feel like Sanders is almost certainly going to end up being the lead guy. So I'm drafting him with confidence, especially at his price. He's another guy uh, I like in those middle rounds. Uh, which committee are you kind of just throwing your hands up at and avoiding altogether? I'm, there are probably more than one, but uh, what's the worst one to you? I'm with you on Sanders. I got him as my RB25. Um, I went through this, and maybe it's the, the obvious answer, but I'm avoiding Washington. I mean, I, I guess in theory, Darius Geis could be interesting there. Um, but Adrian Peterson, I'm so tired of writing off. I think it's been six straight years. I, I haven't, I'm an ageism problem with running backs and whatever it is, just the, the, the new regime, these athletes can, they just can flat out play later than they have in the past. So even if he's not particularly helpful to your fantasy team, I could just see him lurking and just causing a mess in Washington. That's going to be a bad team also. Yeah. The bills are that team for me. I just don't really want to bother investing oh, yeah. in that offense altogether. Like Josh Allen is brutally inaccurate and that really makes me fear that they're going to have a hard time sustaining drives. And he's also prone to scrambling, which is going to reduce the receiving upside for Buffalo's rushers. I just think there are too many players to sift through in the first place as well. You know, you have LaShawn McCoy, you have Devin Singletary, Frank Gore, TJ Yeldon, although who knows if Yeldon will last there. If I'm drafting any of them at Singletary, just because Kind of like Justice Hill in the Baltimore uh, discussion earlier, Singletary has the fresh legs of the group, and he represents the most recent investment by the team at running back. But I'm I'm staying away from the Bills. Uh, how do they profile for you? Yeah, totally. Gore, another guy I've been guilty of with ageism. Um, former Niner, loved the guy, but he just he just will not quit either. But um, with you here, Lashawn McCoy, I buried in my ranks. He's my 61st back. I have. Singletary like 20 spots higher why not take the stab at the unknown so totally with you there but yeah you want to stay away from that that situation in Buffalo but if you're going to go with one might as well might as well be the the rookie back all right Dalton let's get you out of here on this one who is your favorite deep sleeper and I'm, I'm talking go go really late here what are you looking at in the you know very last round of a draft to maybe be that lottery ticket for you at the running back position 
All right. Well, I'm sticking with the theme here. So if I'm wrong about Daryl Henderson, but still right about Gurley, just give me Malcolm Brown. He's Love seems it. pretty pretty free, right? Is that deep enough? I mean, I tried to go deep, and I if leagues I'm in, he seems pretty free. So it's to me, it's Malcolm Brown. I just want a piece of that Rams backfield. Just fade Todd Gurley. So to me, it's Brown. Yeah, I love it. The guy for me, and maybe he might not be as far off the radar as he was before he had a nice performance in the Hall of Fame game, but it's Brian Hill of the Falcons. Yeah, Atlanta really bolstered their offensive line this offseason. Devonta Freeman has only played a full 16 games one time. If Freeman goes down yet again and Ito Smith proves to be just a guy, which is distinctly possible, I think that Brian Hill could flash that you know dual threat eligibility he showed in the preseason. And this is going to be one of the NFL's better offenses. I think that Brian Hill has potential to be a PPR monster you know, in that offense if he becomes the guy. And it's it's just a stab, but we're talking about third stringers here, right? Malcolm Brown, Brian Hill. But I, I like the opportunity there. Well, that's an excellent call. I, I really like it. Don't quote me on this, but I think the Falcons play like just only three games outdoors this year. And you mentioned the offensive line they bolstered in the draft. So, yeah, Ito really did seem like uh, just a guy. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm on Freeman this year for sure. But, man, he's got the concussion issues with the other uh, injury stuff. So Brian Hill is a great deep flyer. Yeah, if you look at our adjusted fantasy points against page at 444.com, uh, Atlanta has the fifth best PPR running back schedule. It's it's a really soft schedule. Like right. you said, they play a bunch of games indoors. It's perfect for that offense. I think that whoever's the running back there is going to have a great year. And it's why I am actually still willing to draft Edo Smith because maybe I'm wrong about him, right? But I think Brian Hill in you know that very last round is also an interesting target for the same reason. Dalton, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, just follow me at Dalton Dildon on Twitter. And uh, yeah, good times talking back with you. And thanks for having me. Yeah, I had a great time too. Listeners, you can follow me on Twitter at Greg Sauce. You can follow the site at 444Football. And that's four, the number, then F-O-R, then the number four again. Be sure to get your 444 subscription if you don't already have it. That's going to give you the best tools to compete in your fantasy football leagues and in DFS this season. We have all sorts of different plans available depending upon what types of players you are. And if you're a new user to DraftKings, you should definitely sign up there and get one of those 4 for 4 subs. That's a really great deal. You should take advantage of it if you can. Now, if you're already a 4 for 4 subscriber and you aren't a DraftKings user and you're thinking, well, hey, what about me? We'll hook you up as well. Uh, check out that link, 444.com slash DraftKings, and you'll see the instructions for how to get that deal as a current subscriber. Also, be sure to check out our other sponsor, Draft. Go to Draft on the Play Store or the App Store. Go to Draft.com. Use our promo code 444 when you sign up. You'll get entry into a free best ball league. And that best ball you join is going to be a part of their $3.5 million best ball championship. It's got a $1 million jackpot. Don't miss out on that. Promo code 444. We'll be back again next week to talk wide receivers, tight ends the week after that. Until then, thanks for listening to the Most Accurate Podcast.